it's just that persistence and like that organized rush that you talk about that I'm going to give this everything I have until I get a deal. Otherwise, like you're almost leaving that latch open for that, you know, escape hatch before you even start. Like you just got to commit to something and stay with it long enough and the results will follow. Like it's inevitable. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. STR Nation, before we get into this week's episode, I've got some I am so excited to share with you guys. For the last couple of years, we've been recruiting and training virtual assistants for our private mastermind students, and we have now a officially open that up to the public. So if you are looking to hire a virtual assistant for your short-term rental business, then go to strsecrets.com slash VA and we will recruit, onboard, and train a VA for you. And if they don't save you at least 40 hours a month in admin work, then you don't pay. So I put a crazy guarantee on this because I've been testing this out for the last two years with our mastermind members. And I'm so confident that it works that if it doesn't, randomly work for you, I'm literally going to give your money back. So if you want more info on that offer, head over to strsecrets.com slash VA. And now let's get to this week's episode. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, E? My brother, so good to see you. Man, it's almost the end of May. Like, I don't like I don't know what's what's going on. Dude, the last two months have been like a blur. Like, like a rocket ship, too. I'm like, I just like, you know, and like I feel bad because like <laughs> we had friends over for dinner yesterday and I made the joke. I'm like, yeah, we're actually looking to trim down our friend group because there's just too many people to commit to. And like, I don't know where to go. And like Tasha kind of like got like awkwardly red in the corner. She's like, why is he saying stuff like that? But it's true, bro. Like, I feel like I don't have any time to do anything anymore. Yeah. At the same time. This is kind of like the life that I've always wanted. You know, like I remember being little and seeing my dad always on the phone, always like working and, and doing things and answering clients. And, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to be like that. And it's just literally like I'm that now. And I'm like, oh, shit, I should have like looked at some other kind of example in my life. Maybe I had like an aunt that like drew and did art instead. And I would have been like, you know better that way but like a great artist you got the hair for it like yeah bro but you see me draw and it's just like (laughs) what kind of like what kind of mental trauma did this kid go through yes yeah i'm picasso at the end of his time like when he was going cuckoo no bro but life life is good we're still doing doing the same things you know like we've been really trying working hard to like get a hospitality asset on the contract and we're getting very it's just been difficult to to get the facts from the sellers, especially if there's more than one seller involved. Number two, it's been difficult to get sellers to negotiate on any kind of reasoning that it's not what they they think their property is worth. Yeah. And, and a lot of like just super shady just numbers, right? Like we we got, we went, we were looking at that place that I sent you guys, gorgeous laundry room. Like I was in love with the laundry room. It's funny in that boardroom chat, like 
you know where everybody was geeking everybody was geeking like anybody that like yeah dude like once you get to the certain size you like really start appreciating you like the operational things and i walked into this laundry room and they had multiple like industrial machines and this huge thing to like um put the sheets through and like just press them and i was just what a dream right but those people we'd like submit an loi and they're like we're not going to give you financials until you submit an LOI. We're like, okay, we'll submit an LOI. And then they send the financials and it's like six months worth of financials. I'm like, uh, where is the rest of this? It's like, well, no, you have to agree to like accept these before we share the rest with you. We're like, no. Do you no. sign an NDA? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, just I'm like, yeah, I'm like, no, we're not doing any of that anymore. So it's just very shady. And and the realtors or or the brokers in this case, you really don't know what side they're on. Like even your own, your own broker, especially when you meet brokers through like networking and stuff, they're not seasoned people that you've worked with in the past. You're really like, where, where is your, where is your loyalty? You know what I mean? So it's very difficult to even know like how to negotiate in that case, because you're like, you lose that, like, it's a key component. Like having a good broker or good realtor makes a difference in like how you negotiate things and everything else. And not having that for us has been, has been interesting you know but the grant like we're just we want it like you know what i mean so like we're we're going at it yeah got it you know? lots got of it. lots of lois so if you are in a similar space you're submitting lots of lois or offers you know just don't worry about it and it's don't make it. anything work but also like really like the the other like reason why is because like both john and i are like we're not we're not squeezing into anything that doesn't doesn't fit like you know we're like Cinderella at the dance, right? Like, unless the slipper fits in perfectly, I'm not walking a half a mile on a pair of shoes that are not my size. Like, it's just like, it's, it's not, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not worth it. So, like Cinderella, we might need some time to find <laughs> our property, you know? How your, your rent is going well? Yeah. Yeah, we got yeah. Uh, all the rough signed off. We should have the, the building rough signed off. I think today or tomorrow, which is huge. So we can start Amazing. closing up all the walls, uh, yeah. start getting in, start putting in some flooring, some of the sample rooms. It's getting exciting now, you know? Yeah, that's exciting. Start, yeah. Like doing a lot of that stuff. So mm-hmm. that's moving along really well. Uh, we got the green light to add eight more rooms up in Rockport. So nice. Congrats. Super pumped yeah, for that. Huge. Now got to put the pro formas together and go back to the bank and get more money mm-hmm. uh, to do that. But that'll be a project in the fall. We'll go through the season and then we'll probably close a little early, like November, and then start the massive rental project mm-hmm. over there. Yeah. Speaking of laundry, I had to upgrade one of our commercial dryers over there, which, you know, it sucks. They're not cheap, but, you know, needed to be done. So the yeah. team is very happy that we've got a yeah. new team that functions properly. Um, <laughs> so, so that's good. By the time this podcast airs, it's a, Definite go for the new house too. So my Hello. wedding goes fully hard tomorrow when all the nice. are up. So that's yeah. that's a done deal. So super pumped for that. About to it's uh, exciting to move to the ocean finally. It's been a long time coming. Okay. So a manatee. A man it's good. Yeah. It's good. No, I like I like to look at the sea. I don't want to be yeah, yeah. I just yeah, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so- man. Good stuff. I'm ex- I'm excited, man. I'm excited. The house looks looks great on you guys. Yeah, I'm it'll excited. be fun. It'll yeah. be another project, but uh, 
we're excited for it, man. And uh, life, life is full of projects. Yeah. Yeah. Now you get bored. At least our kind of people get bored. That's exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of our kind of people, we've got a, we've got a lights out guest today that I'm, I'm super pumped for. He is a, a member in the mastermind, total badass. He might have a cooler podcast set up than me, quite frankly, but uh, I won't hold that against him. So today on the show, we've got Drew Hitner with us. And uh, pretty crazy backstory to Drew. So he had a brain tumor show up after a car accident, and it just changed how he looked at life. Uh, he's been an Airbnb super host since 2016, and he loved it so much that he got into the STR Airbnb specific lending with the motto of don't roll the dice if your lender isn't an Airbnb super host. So his favorite thing about what he does is helping people that are too lazy to underwrite their own numbers so they can avoid a landmine <laughs> or negative cash flowing property. So true. Welcome to the show, man. Mike's got the man. Look yeah, at you. You see, you, you guys exist. I'm sure Mike has, has a full bunch of like ways he feels about you analyzing deals for people and then them not learning how to do it themselves. But for those of us that need people like you, I'm, I'm waving an appreciative kind of flag before Mike chews you up if that happens. But I just wanted you uh, to know. Thank you for the introduction. And uh, Mike, congratulations on being under contract, man. It's exciting times for you. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thank you. So bring us back, man. I mean, I gave like the 30,000 foot cliff notes version. So walk us back to how all this started. So um, before I was in real estate, uh, the lending side or the, the hosting side, I did medical device and work in all the shifts, call weekends, holidays, everything. And I worked for Biomet and we, we were acquired by Zimmer. So we, you know, total hips, total knees, all that kind of stuff, right? So just wearing scrubs all, all the time. And when we were acquired, I took a pay cut <clears throat> and I didn't know my own personal numbers at the time, but I realized I was going to have to start pulling money from an IRA, 401k, or ask, you know, mom at the time what I should do. And that's just when I started listening to podcasts, reading books. And I just remember Googling side gig income. And my truck wasn't going to work on Uber, but I saw Airbnb post up. So that's the route I went. And at that time, I was living in Indiana. And I'm like, man, there is one listing within like a 10-mile radius I'm like, I'm just going to give it a shot. I'm going to go stay the weekend with my girlfriend at the time, see what happens. Well, that one weekend paid like half my rent. And so that was the hook. And then at that point, I just fell in love with real estate so much. I just wanted to read, do, ask, find mentors, all that kind of stuff. And knowing what I know now, I probably wouldn't have flipped my type of line of work that I was in. Because then that caused me not to qualify for a traditional loan. <laughs> <laughs> but I went right in the lending because I was just hooked. I couldn't, I'm like, this, this is, I can't believe how easy it is to make money doing this. But I went into lending and, you know, basically I was 1099. So I was self-employed. So I didn't qualify for any good mortgages for a couple of years. Then I, I bought my first house hack in, in Phoenix. And it's, man, it's been a fun ride since then. Yeah. That's awesome. Works at the bank. They don't let you, you know, throw any loopholes of, of the two years, if you work at a bank, I wish. What made you fall into into lending? Because there's a lot of people that kind of like 
say like, oh, I love, I love real estate. I don't know a lot of people that say I love real estate and choose to get into, into lending, especially coming from like a medical background. Um, like why that versus, you know, like I'm going to be a flipper or going to be a, a realtor. And like, if there's people that are like, are like, I don't want to be a realtor or a flipper. What's, what's been good about being, being, uh, being a lender. The, so the one thing that I still really, really enjoy is every loan is a snowflake. So it's just like you're doing a new puzzle almost every time. Everybody has just a different scenario that you could possibly look at. And so that's the thing that that drew me to that. And I just had a couple of friends that were working for like a, a big shop, Loan Depot at the time. And I just had more friends in that business. And they're like, dude, I'm sitting in a cubicle. Check out this, like literally would send me a screenshot. Like, look at this check I just made. I'm like, doing that? And I just didn't have a lot of real estate agent friends at the time killing it. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to go do that. You got it. Makes sense. I mean, Show his you know, money. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and it also like shows you like how, how your friend group influences that. Right. Because I'm like, I don't have any friends there. Like I have one friend that is a lender, but he wasn't a lender when I got into, into real estate. All of my people were either like GC contractors, realtor, property managers. You know what I mean? So Mike, that's, that's, that's the people you have. So you already mentioned a couple different spots around the country. So like, where are you, where are you based in and where are all your, all your properties now? Yeah. So uh, my office is in Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. Uh, we're licensed in 50 states, depending on what loan bucket you're in. And then the homes that I have flipped long-term rented or short-term rented are either in Arizona, Indiana, um, and my mo most recent one is in Florida. And then we're under contract and still doing due diligence on a property in Pennsylvania, which is 149 site RV park. Interesting. How did you fall into an RV park? Like, was that by accident or? or? Hmm. Um, <laughs> kind of, yeah. So I had how the just, fuck do you fall into a hundred and forty yeah. lot? I RV park by accident. You're like fucking hiking in the woods of Pennsylvania. You're like, oh look, a for sale sign. There you go. You would feel like most of the owners for that asset class are probably in the woods somewhere. There's a lot of mom and pop action in that asset mm -hmm. class, and that's kind of it's a thing that I don't love when it comes to like underwriting the deal because their bank statements don't match their P and L's and their P and L's don't match their tax tax returns. Right. So it's <laughs> like, you know, you almost have to look at this for me is like, okay, so if I just lipstick and mm -hmm. band-aid this thing, what is the NOI going to be? Because I know in that area, it's about a 7.8 cap on, on an exit. So, but how we found it was just a local meetup that set me up with uh, a friend now a friend. And so he's a wholesaler in the Pittsburgh area. And just one of his other investors found this deal, pass it along to him. And it's kind of the, you know, the creative finance wave has been pretty big the last year or so with Nano Pace and a lot of other guys talk about it a lot. And that's, that's what kind of gained my excitement is 10% down, completely seller held 15 year, or I'm sorry, 50 year AM at a 2.75 interest rate. I but, just saw a post from Tony that we just had on the show with a sign. Did you see it? With a sign, it's like bring back the 3% interest rates. <laughs> Which like, I'm like, but that's that's why you need to do the seller stuff now. Mm -hmm. Because like those rates are insane. Like I'm like, there is no, like you can't talk to, 
as a lender, even you can go to any bank and be like, yo, buddy, like, you know, you know me. Hmm. Like, can, can we do this for or even as we were, talking, we were talking about getting approved for that addition? And my partner just texted me, uh, six and a half interest rate. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that makes, that makes a big thing. That makes a big fucking difference. So how do you, how do you do, because to me, what you said about the fact that there is no concrete numbers and there's a lot of discrepancy it, for me has always been like a good thing, right? Because I'm like, it means that like, they're not super dialed in, they're not running it well. So chances are I can run it better. But I also never thought about the other side of it, of you being like, I don't have actual real, real things, right? Real data. How do you underwrite that? So if you have somebody that's listening to the show now, there's like, I have somebody that my grandpa knows that owns a lot just like that. Mm -hmm. And they'll probably sell it to me. But he has everything on, like, he gave me a little post-it with his expenses on it. What do I do? Because to me, I'm like, there is fucking money to be made there. For you, you're like, fuck, I, can't, I don't know how to underwrite this. Like, you know what I mean? Where, where, where do you start? So just trying to lean on more people. Um, Kyle's been super helpful. I've been able to, Mike's given me some advice. I'm speaking about some members in, um, in our group here with SDR Secrets and just trying to figure out the industry standard. Like once you kind of get the cap rate figured out in that area, I kind of work backwards from there. Like, what are the competition doing? Are we, looks like we're under, you know, we're renting now, looks like a little bit under market. And whenever he wants to rent seasonality rates, it's by the phone and it's on a piece of paper. Like there's major efficiency issues in the business. He's got enough propane there to sell locally, not just to the park. So there's like, you know, there's some room and then there's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's 40 acres and 10 of that is very, very, well, we, we think it's very easily developable um, or we can develop that very easily. Um, some of the due diligence that we're working on, you know, I don't know when this is going to air, but as we speak is like trying to figure out if we add 50 sites, what are we going to have to do to the infrastructure like sewage and electric to make sure mm -hmm. we can get the power and create that infrastructure to know that our build out at hopefully about $10,000 per site is achievable because if it goes if it goes up to eighty thousand per site, might not be a great deal. Mm -hmm. STR Nation, want to know how I gained eight hundred and seventeen thousand dollars in equity in nineteen months using none of my own money? Well, if you haven't already heard me talk about boutique hotels, I just recorded an eighteen-minute case study for my private mastermind group on how I bought a tiny thirteen-unit hotel in Rockport and more than doubled its value from two point two five to five and a half million in 19 months. But instead of keeping this one a secret, I decided to share it with you guys completely free. Just go to www.strsecrets.com hotels to access the case study and promise in just 18 minutes, you'll know why boutique hotels are my favorite STR strategy in 2023. I break down everything from the renovations, the location, the investment, the equity, the financing, and how to take advantage of forced appreciation. So when you have 20 minutes, go to www.strsecrets.com hotels. And now let's get into this week's episode. And you have no, no experience in like developing an RV park. So for, for you, it's very much more of a like who know how. Exactly. So yeah. like my experience prior to this is um, two burrs and, and one out of state flip. So doing one of these projects out of state, I'm not a stranger to, but at this size, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's new to me. So, but we got a 45 day inspection period or due diligence period. And I think that's going to help us 
you know, kind of set our ducks up, but you know, we're under rented. We got mm-hmm. a, a possibility to add sites and then just adding some easy technology to allow for online bookings. You know, I think our occupancy percentage based on what we're figuring is a little low too. So I just feel like there's so many income streams on this property that we can add to that we're going to be able to push, push the valuation up pretty quickly. And then, you know, there's onball things too. So like if you just put some glamping areas there that I believe based on, you know, data aggregators like AirDNA, it should make $35,000 annually, but we write that to 25,000, right? So just being very conservative with our numbers with a 50% expense ratio, which could be a little high for that asset class, but just add a little bit more just in case. And if it still looks good, then, you know, kind of keep digging through the due diligence. So you asked me what to do on last Tuesday's call. And I told you to go buy that person's course. Cause I was like, who do you know that's doing it? He's like, well, I know this person that has a course for like two grand. I'm like, dude, go buy that now. Hang up and go buy that course. Like, if you want to do this, I'm all about like, like you said, the who, not how, like if somebody's done this and executed it well, like that information is so valuable. Like it, it's, it's, you, it's, I look at everything as compressing time. So if I can pay $2,000, that's going to save me two weeks of my time. That's worth yeah. it all day. Like it's not even close. Yeah, that that really helped us with the exit plan decision. Like, hey, do we want this to be a long-term park, like a man camp park? Or like, do we want this to be a short-term park because it butts up to a national national park forest, right? So it's like the revenue is in the short-term stuff. But we just want to make sure that if we do fully short-term, that doesn't maroon us with a ton of seasonality. So that's some of the stuff that I picked up in that that course that we – that would be the next best move. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Sweet. So let's, let's pull back towards the, the STR side of the house. Cause this is super interesting, mm-hmm. but you got your first deal in 2016. You've done a bunch of different stuff. Now, what does your current portfolio look like now? And then I know you just got a random RV park under contract, <laughs> but like what's, what's your portfolio look like now? What's your strategy going forward and why? Right. So it's been compressing my time too, like you mentioned. So I've had up to 14, but the deals that were thumbtacks, turning over cleaners, maybe losing a VA, things that weren't just as rock solid as some of my other deals and that I didn't really enjoy going to, I just got rid of those. Mm -hmm. So, and the reason I did, but I have seven listings across three states, Arizona, Indiana, and Florida. But when I've compressed that time, I've been able to, you know, there was some, there was some proceeds because of that. And I've been able to use that to invest into the the brokerage side of things because I figured out like, you know, there's a lot of people that know I've been doing this for a long time and they just, you know, they have a, a conversation with a waiter or an Uber driver about Airbnb and they want to buy something. I'm like, you guys realize if it's a negative 5% interest rate, it still doesn't pencil out for you. And so I just tried to niche down and like being able to help people understand that just because they read something in the news doesn't mean it's a great idea to invest in it and just build your pillars, find a course, find an agent, find a lender, find a title company and just, you know, find people that you can trust around you. And I just, that's one thing I just wanted to give back on, right? It's, I want my time back because 
I don't know how much time I had at one point whenever I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so I want to be able to focus on the things that drive me. And I like, you know, I like building puzzles. I like spending time with my family and I like using the Airbnbs that I have or short-term rentals that I have to spend some time on vacation with the family. The whole, the whole brain tumor situation. I want to talk about that a little bit Mm -hmm. because I know for me, some of the, the most challenging and emotional times of my life tend to catapulted me into a different trajectory in my life. So what was that like going for you? And I'd imagine it kind of changes your whole perception of the world, but I've never been in that situation. So I'm just curious. Yeah. So the, the diagnosis is called an acoustic neuroma. Um, just like what the Super Bowl winning quarterback from a couple of years ago, um, Matt Stafford's wife had, right? Only difference between me and me and her, well, a couple of things is the bank account won, but it's not something that can be um, totally crippling. Like I still like to play golf. I got a little bit of hearing loss, but you know, just depends. Like, so we're kind of in a watch and wait, but man, I was in a car accident. I had, you know, that's how I found out. And I just hit my head pretty good. So of course they do an MRI and then that news came. Um, and I didn't know my, the doctor that told me didn't really know anything about it. So you know, there's a little fear there, but you know, that the reason that catapulted me is because there's a big why, like, how do I get some of my time back and just truly, you know, be involved in the things that I feel like move the needle. And, you know, it's, that doesn't happen for everyone, but I feel like if everybody looked hard enough, they can find a why. And mine was just being able to spend the time with the people that I wanted to. And you don't, you don't know. I don't think it's going to kill me anytime soon. I feel really good. It's not restricting my life now, but it could later. And so that's why I'm in, you know, an organized rush to try to achieve the goals that I've set out for myself and just, and bring those timelines a little bit closer to the chest to see if we can get them done sooner. I love an organized rush. Mm. That's such a beautiful way to like, yeah, it's a, such a beautiful way to describe it, right? It's just this, this, yeah. And now the sign makes a little bit more sense behind you, right? Like it's, it's, it's very interesting. One, I love, I'm always impressed because I always think that I have a good headspace and mindset, but I'm also very, very wary of like how blessed and fortunate I've, I've been in my life. And like for me to like witness somebody that it's really like that in the moment that shit actually hits the fan, it makes a difference, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I was going to ask you about your mindset when you were talking about jumping from whatever you've been doing to this 140 lot thing. So it's just like, there's a lot of like, I don't know. I wanted to kind of ask like, what are your, like, I have little things that I say to myself, right? Like one of my things is like the universe is rigged in my favor, you know? And like one of my reminders always like life is always happening for me and never to me. Hmm. Do you have things like that that you've like kind of been going through and kind of saying to yourself, you're like, dude, this is, this is that. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen that hasn't already happened? You know, like. That's like just to keep a little silver lining on a thought process. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, there's obviously things that could happen, but it's just like, let's look at it. Um, and, you know, specifically to RV park is like, you know, I had two silly goals that I know would, would simple goals, but I know cause I'm in two businesses that are pretty close to each other, investment side of real estate and then the lending side. So 
my one goal on the lending side is do one reel a day and put it out all year and just see what happens with the business. I believe mm -hmm. that that is a good marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. And then on the investment side, it's like take down or try like hell to take down a commercial deal this year. And so halfway through the year and I'm on pace to complete both of those. And so, you know, I just try to set little small goals that I think aren't going to be easily achieved in, in 30 days. Right. And so that way I can just, I'm always chasing, you know, the carrot, so to speak. Mm. Consistency is king. I just did a That's webinar it. right before we jumped on talking about how to get your first or your next co-host deal. And that was the theme that I kept telling everybody because they're like, well, how long does it take to get a deal? And I was like, well, I know the numbers in our group, it's 41 days, but like the real way that you should frame that in your head is until, until I get a deal. Like I'm not going to stop until I get a deal. It's just that persistence and like that organized rush that you talk about that I'm going to give this everything I have until I get a deal. Otherwise, like you're almost leaving that latch open for that, you know, escape hatch before yeah. you even start. Like you just got to commit to something and stay with it long enough and the results will follow. Like it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Mike, you know, I'm super extremely thankful for one thing in the mastermind, man. That's just like, if I can always just pick up one little nugget, like this has changed my life. It's the time study. I mean, I will complete that. And I'll save those things. Man, sorry, I almost cussed there, but I don't know if that's allowed. But um, I'll go back and look at those. And I, I've applied some of it to the, the short-term rental, but just my, my lending business, I go, damn. On that delegation doc, I was like, I literally got all of these knocked out. I'm like, how powerful was that? And then I'll do it again. You know, now I'm on my fourth time. So it's just like, all right, now I'm really stretching on what I'm writing down on there. But that's what makes because every 15 minutes, if you're writing that down, that's kind of like an organized rush. So it's like you got to rush to document or you're going to miss it. And then you're going to lose that time. And if you just work hard now, it, it's going to save everyone time later. Mm -hmm. What was that? I think it's like 18 minutes a day. Like I think 18 minutes a day for an extended amount of time makes you like an expert, like you push in the top 90%. If you can do 18 minutes every day for a year and it's, so fucking hard right like it's something stupid like you spend 18 minutes every day doing stupid shit all the time and for you to purposely do something so like there's two things right for me purposely do something for 18 minutes and then is the levels of learning what was the thing you remember mike the thing that like um i remember the video that, like I remember. right like competently incompetent and everything else but like i love learning new things but i need to feel by the end of the first session that i do that I have somehow improved. And this is my like sick like mindset about like how life should be, right? So like physical things, I, I can do that all the time. Try to learn how to play the piano. Bro, that thing makes me so mad because I'm like, it's simple. It's three buttons. And then I find myself like looking at my hands and trying to understand and like just, oh my bro, it's three buttons. Like I'm like, what is your problem? And they're just like, but you have to go through that moment of being like, okay, this sucks. I'm going to come back tomorrow. And then tomorrow sucks a little bit less. And then this sucks. I'm going to come back tomorrow. It sucks a little bit less. Because like the reality of the time study to me is also the fact that you're like, a lot of the times, maybe at the beginning, especially, you are not able to give it, delegate it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be aware of it. And you like have to be like, 
how do I fix it? Like, how do I still fix this? Right? Like if this is something that like, I can't delegate just yet, because the easiest answer would be to hire somebody out. I can't, but I fucking hate doing it. So like, how do you do it? Like for me, like heavy, heavy things, like math things, financial things, I have to do them first thing in the morning. Hmm. I'm not in a position that I can like delegate them yet. I don't trust anybody like that much yet. And I know myself, if it's not in my like deep work hours that my like six, seven o'clock to like 9.30 a.m. like work window, I do them out, you know, there's no fucking way. And so it's, it's in learning, like, you know, the time schedule, yes. Time study, yes. And then you're just like, oh, this thing drains me. Where can I put it? That it drains me a little bit less. Where is a little bit easier? And then where can I get rid of it? On the, word, the word that you use all the time, E, and I think this is the biggest benefit I got when I first started doing it was being mindful. Mm-hmm. Like it just makes you aware of like, wow, I didn't even realize I was, I was spending this much time doing these things. Cause you just get caught up in the, the repeat of the day to day. Then you look on it and you review it and you're like, holy shit, I spent this much time doing these things mm-hmm. that I thought I wasn't spending that much time on. And it just really makes you mindful of where your time is going. And then you can be intentional with changing that, whether it's with delegation or just prioritizing other things on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So before we go into our, our last thing, there was a, a little story that you were sharing with us at the beginning that I just want you to kind of share with everybody listening. Cause again, like it sounds crazy, but like we have, I have a similar story to what you're about to share. So it's not a one-off, like it's things that do happen. Right. So you were telling us that you found the house that you bought for how much and it appraises for how much? <laughs> So please, please stop. People sit down, please. If you're driving like and you live in like California, places like this, please. It's OK. Just just <laughs> breathe. So I, I lived in Arizona for like 12 years, but I'm from southern Indiana originally, mm-hmm. uh, Evansville. And I know Air DNA has put out like, oh, it's a hot market. I think just a few months ago they had some, you know, some some article that went out about it. And so I think I read a book about uh, the Burr method and I'm like, well, I could probably do this. Let me just mess around. I'm looking at two markets, Southern Indiana and Phoenix. And Phoenix is where I lived at the time. I just happened to see a deal that was for sale for $13,000. And when I called him, he spoke all Spanish, but I was able to use Google Translator to finally get his girlfriend on the phone. And then I just Googled uh, a sales contract. I don't know if it was void by the time we closed or not, but I Googled a sales contract and sent that over to the girlfriend. We got it signed and said, okay, there's an inspection period of 12 days. I never even saw the house. I had a contractor take a look at it. Then I counter offered him to 8,900 bucks, which he accepted and took us about three and a half months to um, finish the rehab after closing. And we put about 28,000 or so into it. And I listed it on Airbnb because I didn't like my long-term manager at the time in that area. And does about 33K top line uh, a year, excluding cleaning fees. And the appraiser came in there and said, this thing is worth 150. And I just couldn't believe it. It was the perfect infinity, you know, burr basically. So I'm like, well, I'll be damned. So what I'll do is I'll just pay myself back, right, um, for the cash that I put into the rebottle and all that. But I'm going to take another 40000 out just because. And I'm going to use that for a down payment, which is what I did, or do whatever you want. That's tax-free income or proceeds. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's when I saw the power of that. And, you know, if you could do something different, I probably would have just kept 
spending time doing a wholesale or a burr or whatever. But I just, uh, you know, basically rates were really low then. So then I just really, really focused on the lending business, um, two businesses at one time. And I should probably, probably should have focused on one thing at that point until one of the businesses was a little bit more delegated, but mm -hmm. I still have it in the portfolio today. Love it. Love it. That's well, before we get into amazing. the question, I want to just one thank you for coming on here, sharing, getting vulnerable and sharing some personal stuff. You know, I appreciate that. And I think the listeners mm -hmm. will appreciate that. Um, but two, just want to say just it's been really cool watching you evolve. And now you're just exploring some of these monster like commercial deals and just seeing you playful out every week. Like you're active in the mastermind. You're always asking questions. You're giving value where you can. Like it's just one of the things I'm most proud of is just the amazing community of people that we have. And I'm glad that you're one of them. And so thank you for that. So where can folks learn more about you and your different businesses, the properties and the lending side? Yeah. So um, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, YouTube, right? Um, it's all Drew or at Drew Do Loans. And I'm still working on the channels in there. We got some nano accounts, but uh, just trying to stay involved with education and a, and a little bit of satire at the, at the same time. So love it. Love it. And then finally, what is your number one secret to success with short term rentals? consistency man like whenever i got into this you know i was a in short right i was a, a six-year college dropout and i had to do a lot of things a lot of times to get average at it and so like if you're looking at deals just underwrite the same deal multiple different times and then just if you do three deals two deals a day you're going to eventually find something the hunt may be a little bit more barren today than it was six years ago but consistency love it Love it. Well, Drew, thank you again for coming on here, man. Really appreciate you. And uh, the listeners out there, hope you guys got some nuggets out of this one. And we will see you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Ciao, guys. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.